0: Hello everyone and a big welcome to you all from me as well. Um, it is so great to have you here. Um, as Ty said, if you are new tonight, we would love to connect in and get to know you better. Um, <clears throat> there's people with host lanyards on, so make yourself known to them or come and meet the pastors. We would love to get to know you and help you connect in. Um, and a special um, welcome as well online. Um, so great that you can join with us tonight. Um, We are in the middle of a series on prayer at the moment and it has been amazing so far. I pray it has been really life-changing for you as it has been for me. Uh, It has been named Much Prayer, Much Power because that is a core belief for us as a church that apart from Him, we can do nothing. So with much prayer comes much of His power. And the tagline is How God Moves in Power When Ordinary People Pray. Over the last two weeks, we have heard that prayer is simple. It is complex in many ways, yes, but it's simple. It's meant to be simple. We are ordinary people. It is God who is powerful. And so we can rest knowing that our ordinary prayers are made extraordinary by a powerful God. So if that's the case, if prayer is meant to be simple, then why do at times we find it so difficult? What are the barriers that stop us from just coming to God simply in prayer? If you were here this morning, you would have seen Jody had some hurdles up on the stage. What are the hurdles that we have to hop over to get to God in prayer? Well, on that note, let's start with prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you are here with us tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you have something to share with us tonight. Father, we pray that you would reveal to us more of who you are, Lord, more of your character, more of your love. Um, we know that you will do that. We pray these, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if we are looking at prayer, then the Psalms is a great place to start. It's full of prayers. And this week, as I was reflecting on the simplicity of prayer... I realised that Psalm 46 verse 10 is a beautiful way to sum up prayer. It sums up what we're actually doing when we pray. Psalm 46 is written in the midst of a war raging around the psalmist. All this chaos is swirling around them and consuming them. But in the midst of the battle, the psalmist writes in verse 10, Be still. And know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It is a it is a call to cease striving, to be still, and then to remember or find out who God is. We are in a constant battle to not come to God. Just like the psalmists were in a battle, we are in a battle to not come to God in prayer. We try to fight on our own. And when we come up against barriers to prayer, we try to fight against them ourselves. Our very nature tries to control and fix ourselves up on our own. But be still means to stop striving. Stop trying to work it out on your own. Stop fighting against the barriers and trying to fix yourself up before you come to God. Come as you are. Humble yourself before him and let him do the heavy lifting. That is the essence of prayer. And the second part of Psalm 4610 is to know that I am God. What do you believe about our God? Do you really believe that he is good? That he is all loving and all powerful? Do you really believe that he is for you and not against you? Do you really believe that he is alive and living and active and working in your situation? Do we really believe that he is everything that we need? The biggest problem we have in all of this is that often we don't see the truth of our situation. We think, of course I know God loves me. Of course I believe that. Of course I believe that he's powerful, that he's alive, that he cares about me and that apart from him, I can do nothing. But we need a greater revelation of his love, a greater revelation of the truth of his character, of how he sees us and how he thinks about us. Where we live, our house backs onto bushland. We live in a really sort of leafy neighbourhood. And so we have all sorts of wildlife there. A little too much wildlife, to be honest, for my liking, Um, But we have all sorts of wildlife, we have butterflies, we have all sorts of different birds, uh, whip birds and things like that. We've got koalas, possums, snakes, bush turkeys. Uh, I'm always finding these little insects that I am pretty sure have never been discovered. I say to Damon, I don't think this one's been found yet, we need to tell someone about this one. Uh, I've been calling them the Sarah, just in case they end up in an academic journal or something like that. Um, But one of the animals that we have lots of is lizards. We have all these really big, like sort of bearded dragons um, and baby lizards running around. All these just generations of lizard families live on my property. Um, And we have this one big bearded dragon that the kids have named Big Barry. He lives under the slab of our carport. There's sort of a, a gap under there where the foundations come away and he lives under there. And we have become really fond of this lizard. The kids tell people that he's our pet. We don't have any other pets. He's our pet now. We've adopted him. He's part of our family. And we love Big Barry. But whenever we see him, we sort of open the door tentatively to go out to approach him. Whenever we try to approach him, he is so skittish. He just runs off straight away. I feel like he's starting to warm up to us and get to know us a little bit, but he definitely just runs at the moment. Even though we love him, we've adopted him as our own, he's part of our family, that's the truth, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the fullness of what it means to be adopted as one of my children. He hasn't grasped it yet. And sometimes I think that we can be a bit like that with God, We think that we know that he loves us, and we do in part, but there is more of his love to grasp. We don't fully understand what he's like and how he feels about us. We don't really always know what he wants from us, and it can stop us from coming to God in prayer. Like Big Barry, what stops us from approaching God in prayer? Why do we find it so hard? Well, tonight we're going to look at three particular barriers to prayer in light of Psalm 46, verse 10. To be still and know that I am God. In reference to each barrier, we're going to look at what God's character is really like and what he expects of us. The first barrier we're going to look at tonight is shame. Shame keeps us coming coming to God in prayer. Shame might look like not thinking we are good enough to approach God. We know that we are struggling with sin and we feel like we need to fix ourselves up before we can come to God. Maybe we haven't prayed for a while or we've given in to a particular temptation or sin again and we think, oh, I'm just not disciplined enough. I'll write a new list or I'll start a new schedule And once I'm really ready to commit to it and I'm not going to stuff up again, then I'll come back to God and I'll start over. Shame becomes this barrier to just coming to God simply in prayer. If the call of Psalm 46 verse 10 is to be still and know that I am God, then what do we know about God in light of our shame? Well, Romans 3.23 says... For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, nothing more and nothing less. Tim Keller says that when we pray in Jesus' name, we do so with supreme confidence and yet humble dependence on unmerited grace. I love how Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 puts it. It says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. This truth eradicates all shame. He is a good father and we are his children. We can come confidently to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and grace in time of need. And I love Psalm 34 verse 5. It says, Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. God tells us to be still, and that doesn't mean physically still. Still. It means to stop striving, stop trying to fix ourselves up, but to not delay in coming to him to find forgiveness. Don't wait to sort yourself out, to organise a better schedule, to muster up the willpower to not sin. Just come to him. He is your gracious saviour and a good father. Well, barrier number two that we're going to look at tonight is that we have something better to do. Often, although we would say that God is number one, and we're not being hypocritical, we actually think that we really believe it, but although we would say that God is number one, there's often something that's more enjoyable or more important or more urgent to do. We think there's something better in that moment. And if we try to pray... We're distracted because we see the work piling up, the washing that needs to be folded, the assignment that needs to be finished. Although we wouldn't say it, our lives show that we think our work is more important than God's work. We rely on our own ability to get things done rather than on God's strength. And so often we're looking for a quick fix rather than coming to God in prayer. It seems easier to just do it ourselves on our time frame. It's quicker to get a bit of a hit from scrolling Instagram or buying something on the internet. When we're worried about something, it's quicker to ask a friend or a family member for that affirmation or encouragement that we need. We don't always want to wait on God for Him to give us His words, to speak His truth. We don't want to wait on Him to find His peace. We're looking for that instant gratification. As an 80s baby growing up in the 90s, I fully understand this need for instant gratification. I've seen the steep progression of being able to just get what you want when you want it. Let me show you what I mean. I've got a picture up on the screen. Does anybody still know what this is? (laughs) This is a cassette tape. It's sort of cool in a retro way now, um, but back when I was a teenager, this, if, we, if I wanted to listen to my favourite song, I would have to record it off the radio onto one of these. Um, and one New Year's Eve, my little brother, I think I was about maybe 12 or 13 or something, my little brother and I, we wanted to record the top 100 countdown on New Year's Eve, so we stayed up until midnight to record the countdown. Uh, and we didn't want to capture all the ads in our recording, so we had to just move our mattresses right out into the lounge room, sit near the radio, and just press pause every time uh, we got to the ads, and then press unpause when the ads were finished. So we were trying to get just songs moving through. Um, but you know, we were 12, so we were falling asleep, and so we, um, when we went back to listen to the recording, there was just heaps of ads all through, or we'd. Press pause at the wrong time and cut off a song halfway through. Um, it was amateur hour, it was shambles. Um, but now, so that's what it used to be like. We used to have to record things if we wanted to listen to a song. Um, now, all we have to do is just this Hey Siri, play my favourite song. You like songs now playing? How amazing! It's so different. It's going to be high school musical, so that's good. I've got my kids' love high school musical at the moment. Oh, we'll turn it up. Great. Um, That's an instant gratification. It's a real thing. Now, you know, a quick hit is at our fingertips. It feels like it's harder than ever to make time for prayer. We can get what we want, when we want it, at any moment of our day. And every moment can be filled up with other things. The truth is that we make time for what matters most to us, but prayer is often not our priority. We pray because we're supposed to, but then it turns into a duty. Thinking we have something better to do is definitely a barrier to prayer. But if God says, be still and know that I am God, then what does the Bible tell us about God's character in light of thinking that we just have something better to do? Well, in John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Later on, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people and he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of so much more valuable value than they? And Psalm 24 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. God is saying that I am the ultimate joy giver. I am everything that you need. If you come to me, you won't be thirsty again. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. If you are struggling to pray because you have something better to do, start by being still to stop striving. Stop striving to muster up a desire to pray. I loved how last week Ty spoke about um, a youth leader who would just say to God, God, right now I don't want to pray. Give me a desire to pray. We need his help with everything. He is not afraid of us coming to ask him for help. And ask him to give you a revelation of the truth that he is the thirst quencher. He is the ultimate joy giver. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And it's in him that the things of the world grow strangely dim. Well, barrier number three that we're looking at tonight, finally, is unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer is definitely a barrier to prayer. Waiting on God and praying for things that don't seem to be being answered is a huge barrier to keep praying. You might wonder, is is there any point in praying? Or you've run out of things to pray, you've run out of words to say. You're so weary from the battle. It's hard to stay faith-filled when you're praying the same thing over and over again, but you're not seeing a result. Proverbs 13, 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Unanswered prayer is a barrier to prayer. So who is God in the midst of our suffering and our unanswered prayer? Well, God is someone that you can be honest with. If you read through the psalms, they are full of just honest lament. They are full of the psalmist crying out to God and telling him what is happening and how they are feeling. God doesn't want us to come to him and tell him how we think we should be feeling or what we should be thinking. Again, that is just striving, to, uh, striving and trying to fix ourselves up on our own. He wants to tell him what's happening How we're feeling, even though he already knows, because it's in that conversation that we're building a relationship with him. Nathan said a couple of weeks ago that we don't ever graduate from being his children. We don't have to put on a brave face when we come to him. We can just be honest. And not only is God someone who we can be honest with, but he is also someone who sympathizes with our weakness. He gets it when nobody else does. Hebrews 2 17, it says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus was God incarnate, but he was fully human. He sympathizes with our weakness. He had unanswered prayers too. When his soul was crushed with grief to the point of death, he prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. But it wasn't. He also prayed for unity in the church, but that has been an ongoing prayer too, of which we are still waiting to see in all of its fullness. You don't need to try harder to muster up faith or tell him what you think you should be feeling. Jesus himself actually quoted the honest laments of David from Psalm 22 while he was on the cross. Both David and Jesus prayed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus identifies with our suffering. He understands. And he is someone that we can be honest with. He is our comforter and our confidant. And finally, he is the one who is coming to make all things new. Revelation 21 verse 4 to 5 says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Won't that be a great day? Well, all these things that we've talked about tonight do create a barrier in coming to God in prayer. And if we believe that much prayer equals much power, then this is a problem. I'm not sure about you, but I can relate to all of these barriers that we've talked about tonight, and there are many more. But tonight, God is not saying, here is a list of barriers, and this is a motivational call for you to push those out of the way and for you to fix yourself up. It's not a call to do better. I don't know if you've seen a meme going around on Facebook lately that says, I bought my co-worker a get better soon card. They're not sick. I just think they can do better. God is not like that. Tonight, God is saying to us, come to me, to the only one who can clear these barriers. We can't fix the problem. We can't deal with sin and shame. We can't muster up a greater desire to pray or the strength to keep praying when we're struggling with the pain of unanswered prayer. We can't just tell ourselves to believe more in what God's character is like. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal this to us in a greater way. The beautiful thing about the gospel of grace is that we don't need to clean ourselves up before we come to God. You know, you hear stories about people who have employed a house cleaner and they've employ this house cleaner to come and clean the house once a week, but for an hour before the house cleaner gets there, they are just running around stressed, trying to tidy up and trying to clean everything before the house cleaner gets there. The homeowner is too embarrassed to let the house cleaner see their house dirty, but that is why they are there. God is not afraid to come into your life right into the midst of all the muck and all the mess. The weight of trying to fix ourselves up on our own is off us. Our responsibility, and we do still have a part to play, but our only job is to come, to humble ourselves before the one who can do it, to stop striving, to be still and know that he is our God. Jesus says to us tonight, He says to us tonight, come to me, get away with me, just you and me, learn from me, I have all the grace to pour out upon you that will eradicate shame, I have all the wisdom for your situation, I am over every fear, every addiction, every heartache, every temptation, every need is satisfied in me. He is saying that I am the ultimate joy giver. I am Jehovah Jireh, and I am the one that you can. Tr- he that he, I am the one who you can trust with your prayers, even the ones that seem like they aren't going answered. Prayer is such a gift when we understand it as relational with a relational God, who has all of those character traits that we've talked about tonight we coming to someone who fully knows us and yet fully loves us. And not only that, but someone who is powerful to act, who can change our situation and our hearts. We can be real with him. God wants to have a relationship with us, so just talk to him about everything and anything as you go about your day. As you're doing the washing and you hang up your footy shorts, God, I pray for the people on my footy team. When you notice that you're feeling jealous or anxious or impatient, God, I'm sorry, help me. When you realize you haven't prayed for a while, just a one line of prayer. God is not going, "Hmm, I haven't seen you for a while." He's saying, "I am so glad that you're here. Let's talk. How are you going?" Just be real with him and let him minister to your heart. Let him give you a revelation of who he is and how much he loves you. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, we thank you that you are all of those character traits that we have talked about tonight. Lord, you are life. You are love. Lord, you are our saviour and our king. You are a good father. We thank you that we can run into your arms just like a child would run into their dad's arms. Lord, you are always waiting for us, always excited to hear from us. Lord, we come before you now. We hold um, these things that stop us from coming to you in prayer. We hold them before you, Lord, and we give them over to you. God, we say that we can't do anything with this. We need you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us a greater revelation of who you are, that we would know more of your love, more of your grace. And Father, we just are so thankful for who you are. Lord, we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.